Thanks for downloading the Nightcap Series 2, sponsored by Guzborn. More on them later when we grab ourselves a drink. And for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can support the pod on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the nightcap, where we are giving away signed menus from Paul's Michelin star restaurant. As well as that, we've got an exclusive opportunity to come and have a meal at Salt before sitting in on a season three recording. That's patreon.com forward slash the nightcap. And welcome to The Nightcap, life behind the Michelin star, a late night lock-in here where some of the best chefs in the country candidly discuss and debate all things culinary over a few drinks. It's episode eight of series two, mate. 16 episodes in total. I can't believe we've done that many. I know. And we've got no better since the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Still don't know what we're doing. No, still wing it. Uh, Right now, as always, I'm sat upstairs at Salt in Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare's home in the heart of Warwickshire. Uh, it's just gone 10 o'clock at night, service is wrapping up downstairs. Let me introduce myself and what the hell we're all doing here. My name's Simon Alexander, I'm a podcaster, producer and daytime cooking show contestant. To my left, playing host, Michelin star head chef and owner of Salt, Mr Paul Foster. How you doing, you alright, yeah? Yeah, good, thanks. And our guest today is the man at the helm of the two-star dinner by Heston, is Mr Ashley Palmer Watts. How you doing, mate? Oh, I'm very well, thanks. Good yourself? stuff, yeah, really good. Firstly, how was dinner? It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, 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 it was great. Uh, a rare night off to just chit chat away and um, just relax and just enjoy food. So many of the chefs say, like, it's more about having the night off than eating. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I just got to sit Not down and food down, down, yeah. And it is delicious as well. And it, to awesome. be fair, I've, you know, since Paul started this project, mm. you know, to come and see it actually in fruition is it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so you were aware of like the Kickstarter back when? Yeah, and all right. Sort of stuff, right. Yeah. Well, when was it? It was a couple uh, of years ago? March 2016. Wow. Yeah, because it took a year years. to open after we were successful with it. So yeah, it was like yeah, what's that? Nearly four years ago. Mm. And this was your first time, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and to come up, you know, it is a little drive up, but um, <laughs> it's not that far to be fair. Awesome. But um, to come and see, you know, what must have been, you know, something quite daunting. Yeah. To come and it. see it at this stage. Yeah. Um, is 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 very impressive. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, hats off to you. Oh, put, thank you. Put you on the spot a little bit, but any standout dishes, any things that you'll think, oh yeah, I remember that that oh, tasted good. How can I choose this one? Um I've loved all of it. Like I just I, I love food. So sure. the most thing I I like about it is it, it just it's it's about the ingredients and it's about flavour, it's about seasoning, it's about balance and it's about one man's interpretation and an original interpretation mm-hmm. of his food and his cooking and I've known Paul for a few years yeah yeah we've never worked together um we did climb a mountain together yeah um, about that which later, is probably yeah. quite similar to opening a restaurant I'd yeah, imagine in many ways um, it's pretty challenging <laughs> yeah nosebleeds yeah but to actually I mean we cooked a couple of dinners together mm-hmm. and so yeah. you know we've tasted Paul's food before but I think to come and to come and eat in someone's restaurant. Yeah, it's like having it in context, isn't it? It's yeah. just brilliant, and you know, for me, this feels like it's very poor. Awesome, you know, I love that. Good. I'm glad that comes across. Yeah. Coming up on today's podcast, then we're going to be talking about where cooking meets science and the good and the bad experiments. We'll be talking about the theatre of food cooked and presented within the Fat Duck Group, and we'll chat, as we just mentioned, about Paul and Ashley's Kilimanjaro expedition. 
still can't really believe you did that. It's just like, oh, I don't know. It's, just, it's Kilimanjaro. It's not Snowden. You know, it's Kilimanjaro. Yeah, it's just a little hill. <laughs> As usual, we'll be doing Boiling Point, where chefs tell the real heat of the kitchen, and we'll finish up with TripAdvisor reviews and some home cooking hacks and myths for you to take away. But before we get into that, this is a nightcap and the last nightcap of Series 2. So we're going to gla- grab a glass for this special occasion, and we are delighted to have Gus Bourne's on board paired with us for Series 2 of the nightcap. And they've kindly sent us a range of world-class wine from their estate in Kent. And we've been opening a different bottle every episode. But tonight, that bottle is being hand-delivered <laughs> by Neil from Gusborn. How you doing, Neil? And Neil's here to have a little chat with us. How you doing, mate? Hey, how you doing? I'm yeah. all right, thank you. It's just a bit weird. Coming hey, in, it's it? nuts. I've listened to the last... 15 episodes avidly <laughs> on the many miles I do around the country uh, and I'm sat here with the microphone I this. love that no we've uh, honestly looking at your face I know it's, it's a bit of a shame isn't it well, face for radio they tell me yeah. <laughs> um, so I want you to instead of Paul's ugly mug we thought you'd introduce he, this. he's been doing a great job over the last I've been winging it he has totally. <laughs> give, give him a French accent he'd be a sommelier <laughs> any, any love that you've been impressed with his choice of pairings when he's talked oh, about yeah absolutely yeah good you know, well, He's yeah, I think he does, you know. I think he's, he's onto something here. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what, what bottle have we got for tonight's uh, okay. episode? Can you introduce it for us? So uh, we've got something rather special. So um, we obviously make vintage wines. So every year we produce a wine that shows that vintage to its best. In certain years, um, there are certain wines that we think need a bit longer aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a wine we produced in 2010. Um, wow, okay. It now... With a red wine or a white wine, put it in the cellar, it changes. With a sparkling wine, particularly one made the way we make it, if you leave the yeast in the bottle to the bit that makes it sparkling, um, that the dead yeast cells start doing some magic in there as well over okay. time. Uh, so it completely changes the character of the wine, changes the, the flavour, the texture. Um, so this is a wine that's been sat on, it's what we call the lees, so that yeasty substance, uh, for about seven years. Wow, um, and then that's, another... I was 23 when that was made, starting its magic. That's, it. that's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah, seven years. Uh, and then once we take the yeast out, it's another two or three years without the yeast in, uh, in it as well. That is fascinating. Did you know that? Do you know that, actually? Well, you know, I, I guess everyone differs slightly, don't they, in the way that their method is, but um, this sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. Okay, let's crack it over. And what sort of, Paul, what are you serving with this in... Insult if you're serving this up. I'd just drink it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not faff about with food. Some things just need drinking. Like, like we've got no food tonight. Um, yeah, I'd just, I'd probably do the bottle on my own. Yeah. Excellent. So, so the, the Lee's aging gives it a lovely richness and a quite, quite a yeasty kind of biscuity character. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so they actually become quite rich, uh, quite, quite powerfully flavoured. Um, you just opened the bottle without He's it done popping. that before. Right. He, he has done many I of think, those. I think you're right. I think Troublesome bottles. Wasn't there one of the episodes where Paul nearly killed someone? He nearly yeah. killed me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it? Um, So yeah, that's the proper way of doing that it. That was amazing. The, the, the sigh of the bottle. We've, we've caught that on camera, haven't we? Just we will pop so that up the, online. The trick, you can put this in at the, the end with the, the kitchen. Conf- yeah, uh, yeah. The trick is to twist the, the bottle, not the cork. Ah, if you twist the cork, yeah. it pops out. You've got to try that in front of a guest next week. Yeah. If you, you twist the bottle, to... you just get that back inside. Ah, interesting. Wow. Grab this glass as well. Uh, we won short. Do we need any more? We've got some more. Now we've got flutes. Not the same. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Beautiful. Ah, oh, this looks delight. Thanks and thanks so much for coming in for this last episode. Hey, it's also a pleasure to have you. Real here. pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Excellent. Right, I'm going to give this a go. 
Wow, that is nice. That's amazing. That is brilliant. That's lovely. We'll get some straws for the production crew to <laughs> pop in there. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks so much well, for joining us. For and yeah, pleasure. we'll have a little chat at the end about some cooking hacks. I know you've sure. got a great one for I'll go us enjoy, later. Enjoy my glass of wine. Nice one. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Really appreciate it. That's okay. a much better job than I do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, the way you twisted that cork out. Oh, is that? Okay, so first up, we're talking about where cooking meets science. And what a better guest uh, than Ashley to talk about this. So, um, Ashley, firstly, just like introduce people to how long you've been working in the Fat Duck Group and your sort of relationship with science and cooking and where that began. Well, rather alarmingly, it's been 20 years. Just had the 20th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Um, August the 28th, 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, was, yeah, 20 years since since started that roller coaster, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been, a, well, an incredible journey. A, a, lot like, a lot like here, one man had bought this old pub. <laughs> He'd converted it into a restaurant and um, just started cooking bistro food. Not like here, obviously. Sure. But in his own sort of journey at that time yeah, yeah. in 1995 I joined in 1999 and it was just the food there was um, was very bold it was very different the, the food combinations were different than anything we were seeing in this country sure especially at that time this was like leading the way it yeah, was doing I mean, stuff people were doing if you took roast cod with licorice and vanilla and lime with braised coxcombs and lentils and pea puree <laughs> with red wine sauce i mean sounds like a catastrophe it, it just it does but, yeah but it was a absolutely incredible wow so if you don't mind me asking did you like apply for a job there did you know heston already how did it come about and had its reputation led you to like i just want to get there but you know i i i saw a picture of these five guys in food illustrated before waitrose had the magazine right and i just looked at them and i was like wow they look they look amazing. It, it was the rock and roll era, you know. It was white heat. It was yeah, that sort of was, era, yeah. and I just, I just wanted to go and see what this guy was doing because he was self-taught. He was doing something that was very different than the rest of the country was doing at that mm-hmm. time. And um, I was lucky enough to go for my twentieth birthday with um, quite older friends. But I used to be a part-time watercress farmer, and one <laughs> wow. of them, Did you know that? No, organic that watercress farmer. Oh, nice. Um, Herds Watercress in Dorset and um, Winchester. And the, the, the owner's son ran the one in Dorset, which is who I got to know. Got yeah. He used to come to the restaurant where I worked and he used to work as a, a front of house waiter or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't really structured, but he loved wine. Yeah. He loved cooking and he would work for free and then everyone would sit down at the end of the night and eat and drink and play cards and get incredibly drunk. And Love stuff. it. A couple of times a week. A bit like this. Really? Yeah, yeah, much. yeah, very much. Yeah, twenty years later, <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing, right? Um, and uh, he was one of the first contestants on MasterChef when Lloyd Grossman. Was oh doing wow, it. Lloyd Grossman era. So yeah, Jeff, the chef, and myself, we used to go to the pub, which is across the street. Used to set Hurdy this this timer for his whatever the time of the competition was. We'd go to the pub, play darts, do whatever, come back. He'd have his dinner ready that he was going to practice for MasterChef. Okay. And um, so I came to the Fat Duck with Herdy and his cousin and his wife, who oh, lived in Winchester. God, yeah. Came to dinner at, uh, at the Fat Duck, this amazing place that no one had ever heard of. It just, I think it was actually pre-Star, right. pre-the first mission. Wow, so. there's not many people that could say that they've eaten yeah. the Fat Duck no, pre-Star. It was yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to be And uh, it, was, it was just magical. 
very very different to how it is now and I think that's going to be quite hard to understand if you're listening to this and not knowing where it came from um, and I just knew I had to go and work there really? so I wrote to him said you know can I come and spend a couple of weeks in the holiday come and work for you and he's like wow this is you know this doesn't really happen I've just got sort of crooks and oh, any yeah. old waif and stray that I can so find he was like him. flattered by your interest yeah exactly and I went there and it was absolute chaos um, <laughs> you know I'd, I'd never I'd only worked in a kitchen with one person in it before and this had five guys in it and it it was just bonkers really but the food had this magical draw that was it, it was just incredible I had to go and work there so I wrote to him I asked him you know I, I've got a I was just honest I was only like 19 20 I said look I, I need to come work for you this is the only place I want to go and work I've been looking at different places mm some good places and um, I just want to work here Wow! so I said look you know I've, there is a position coming up I'm waiting for this girl to leave to go back to Australia girl called Camille when she leaves I'll have a space but it keeps getting extended so call me a couple of times a week call me a couple of times a week and um, we'll, we'll work it out so you know what it's like when you're 19, 20 you, you're, you're so nervous mm, yeah. you're yeah, living yeah. at home you pick the phone up and you, you phone the number Hi there, is Heston there? No, I'm afraid he's upstairs in the office. And they're like, oh, God, right, okay, put the phone down. There was no phone system back then either, <laughs> course, so yeah, you had to yeah. phone another number. <laughs> oh, no, he's just gone downstairs to the kitchen. You're like, oh, my God, this, is, around his own house. this yeah. is like torture, and it, it's going to kill me, this kind of nervousness. And then I'd speak to him, he's like, well, you know, she hasn't left yet. We're not quite sure, but keep phoning. Blah, blah, blah. This went on for a couple of months. Oh, man. At that time, the restaurant where I was working in my village they sold to go back to Canada and uh, I became a full-time watercress farmer and golfing shooting <laughs> budding <laughs> chef at the wow. time. Okay. drank a lot of wine played a lot of golf you know what did, a life you know that sounds living more the dream stressless than looking now, back yeah. now living yeah. the dream um, and from there uh, I had like the summer off and then I thought Do you know what I really need to get back in the kitchen because I don't want it, this to go on for too long mm-hmm. and I went to Le Manoir and I had a stage there for a couple of weeks in pastry. I really wanted to work in a hot kitchen because that's where I really wanted to be. Sure. So I worked with the baker in the afternoon so I could stand in the kitchen at night and watch service. Um, and the week I was there, Gary Jones had just started oh, as, right. as exec okay. chef or head chef. Or yeah. And um, I was kind of offered a job there. And I remember saying to Benoit at the time, I, I, I really only want to work at the Fat Dark. I'm really sorry, but... You know, and I look back. How did it? Oh, how do you take that? It really well. Oh, okay. we, we've right, spoken yeah. about it since. We did a dinner at a polo club, and I actually fessed up to this story because I felt <laughs> really bad. And now, where I sit now, I think, oh, how bloody ungrateful is that? <laughs> um, and uh, and I called into the Fat Duck for lunch on a Wednesday, on the way back from the Manoir. Sat down for lunch. Heston comes out and he says, "Right, have got a job. Can you start on Saturday?" Oh, and my I was like, "God, yeah, yeah." absolutely (laughs) and I had lunch I was really excited I got in the car phoned my dad on my first mobile phone that had just come out (laughs) and um, he asked me all these sensible questions like you know where are you going to (laughs) live when do you start I'm like what's Saturday and he's like okay how much do you get paid and I'm like I don't actually know he just said 15 (laughs) he's like well what what, 15 pounds an hour I'm like I don't know to be honest I don't really care wow I love that you know so I in a it couple of days, right, it? <laughs> I, it worked itself out. Yeah. I just moved up there and just cracked on, and, oh, and it was um, 
Yeah, 20 years later, here we are. That is quite incredible. I didn't realise that that was, did you know that? that no, not fully like that. No, I know you'd gone, I knew you'd gone to lunch there and then been inspired yeah. and enjoyed it, but I didn't know it took that length of time and then just dropped on you. Well, the thing was, it was, it was incredibly hard back then. And as things started to take off, you know, and it was just an incredibly hard environment. And like mm. every young chef with their name on the line, with their reputation that they want to build, it was... It was an incredibly hard sure. atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Heston's told the story many times of, you know, just the, the trials and tribulations of running your own business and wanting something. Probably you don't know what you want, but you, you know you're going that way. Sure. Yeah. And it, it's everything to you. Did you. Was there that vision from the moment you started, so it was four, four years after he'd opened, was that vision and that sort of like, exper- you know, experimenting, the science the sort of this this wanting to be a market was that already happening at that point or or were you a part of that journey with him it it, it wasn't it wasn't so apparent but what what was apparent was the uh, kind of the character and the drive and this guy that you just went this is amazing but you never really consciously thought about it Mm. Mm, you were just part of this ride if you could hack it yeah and you could add something to it and want to learn if you're the right character yeah because I could imagine he was infectious back then like his passion and just oh 100% and it, you know what it still it. is today yeah it, 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 he was a man that was and still is someone that is infatuated with being better and learning mm. and wanting to be better than where we are today yeah and if you're the right person to connect with that and there have been many people that are yeah um, you really sort of are in for a great ride, mm. you know. And um, I never forget, he would, he, he would say to me, we went through a very tough time. I started, and they already had the Michelin star. Mm-hmm. Got you. And it was, it was tough. And then we started, and, and we had various different characters, and people would leave in the afternoon and never come back. <laughs> oh, <we've laughs> yeah, we, we'd call it going to the bank. That's it. <laughs> so I'm just bank. going to the bank. Great and you're like, the knives. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't leave their knives. Hey, hey have you seen uh, so-and-so? And you're like, no, it's his bloody knives are gone. <laughs> he ain't coming back, is he? You know? And um, you, you just go, oh, that's another one gone. Oh, no. Man. You know, and I remember one Sunday, Heston took me outside and he said, you know what? Just stick at it. It's incredibly difficult right now. But you know what? It'll pay off one day. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to get you to grow into a sous chef. And I think this is one of the things that I have always held on to you grow into a position you're not given a position Mm -hmm. yeah you you, you're given the opportunity to strive for it and then you need to grow into it yeah and And then before you know it it's just there and then you're on to the next one and you're on to the next one and before you know it you're you're the head chef and you're like whoa hold on a minute (laughs) what's going (laughs) on here you know and um but yeah no we it was incredible and and that kind of then came along all these different people Mm. Um, from scientists to neuroscientists to brain surgeons and different experts in brain different fields. Brain surgeons? Uh, everything, touch and feel, like yeah. people that measured crunch in food to acidity <laughs> and f- flavour and aroma. Right. right, okay. So what, at what point does this start creeping in and were you ever sceptical? Did you ever go, what, what, why are we getting a brain surgeon in here? This is, well, I was mean, it, was it a bit overwhelming? Was it a bit odd? It wasn't like you would pull them into service, but it was, I mean, Heston led this, this, this constant want and thirst. And I mean, you know, there were, there's always a few times where you think, oh, what's going on here? But, you know, when you're, you're cooking green beans and you're, you're, you're buying a specific, we had a, we had a six burner stove. 
that was useless. Yeah. <laughs> I think we spoke we spoke yeah. about this earlier, right? Yeah. You were smart enough to put a solid top on top of it. Yeah. We weren't. <laughs> right. So back right was amazing. Front left uh, front right didn't work. Middle front was great. Back left was useless. I love this how you one still remember useless. it now. That one was Did really I good. Did I buy it from you? <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably the same stove. It's just made the journey up. Yeah. And um you know, you couldn't get on that one because that was the sous chef Gary and Richards. You were not allowed on that burner. Right. You had that one. And I had to cook like green beans that needed to be greener than they could possibly be. Mm. It probably took four hours because you, you cook like 10 at a time. Yeah, I remember reading about that, like what? rapidly boiling water. Yeah. Just well, a few at a time, yeah. Stood there for four hours <laughs> every day cooking this, these really? green beans. God. And then, you know, we had these terrible frying pans that were the, you know, the cheapest, you know, six pound frying pans from Nisbet's. <laughs> they were all bent and sorry, broken. In but... right? No, this is years oh, ago. Oh, sorry. Right. right? Okay, years on. and years ago. Yeah. And that's great. Actually, looking at the kitchen downstairs, you think, actually, do you know what? The one thing that struck me, and yeah. you don't need all the kit. You don't need a flash kitchen. You don't need yeah. all the space in the world. And that's part of the reason why we've managed to get to where we got to. Yeah. So we've never had that. Yeah. But you yeah. just make it work because you have to. Yeah. You know, so if you've got the skills, the passion and the product, then you should be able to deliver a good a good yeah. dish, a good meal. Sure, you need a The equipment. rest helps and it's amazing. It makes your life easier. Yeah. But when you want it, bad enough you just get on with it and so yeah. it's like was, a workman can't blame his tools just yeah 100 uh, no i was thinking you know what this would be a brilliant kind of post for the younger generation to say actually do you know what guys forget about all the flesh stuff and all yeah. the this is all you need mm-hmm. you yeah. know you can do it we did it and i've always said to my guys that i mean our kitchen it's it's you've seen it, it's tiny it's shit really <laughs> um but we make it work and you get your menu around it and you produce the best food you can and I've said to my guys from the start when we can afford better kit you will appreciate it so much more yeah, like, yeah. not just being given everything or a big investor coming in yeah. 100 grand on a kitchen and yes it's amazing but these guys we didn't have an ice cream machine for a year wow. so and then we got one wow and um, life changer yeah it was and they appreciate it and they look after it so my two guys in the kitchen that have been here since day one anyone comes in who's like you know, demanding equipment and like oh haven't you gone this they're like you weren't here in the early days we had no pot washer no ice cream machine and it's just the three of us just slaving yeah. away yeah but this is yeah. you on your journey yeah you know and, and, and it's this time this year for you in your in your journey and it will change every single year from yeah. now 15 years time brace surgery will be in there downstairs <laughs> helping you make watercress salads and stuff. yeah exactly but what, just check my head out probably, what yeah. were the like the early sort of gadgets that came in and you were looking at oh, what is that like and what were like the, or were there any dishes that stood out where you're like this is out there this is a bit crazy well now. i mean you know the, the going back to that one kind of moment where you think god what is going on here <laughs> was actually when Heston is asking to blanch the green beans in a frying pan on the back right burner in vodka because vodka boils at a higher temperature than water hence not <laughs> dropping the boil and keeping them greener than you can ever imagine wow but obviously okay. commercially that's not <laughs> not great when you've got not two boxes of green beans to, 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 to blanch so how many beans at a time would be going in the vodka oh like 10 yeah and you'd be doing how many beans oh like 4 kilos a day <laughs> <laughs> so like two boxes, two boxes. So how many like liters of liters of vodka you've got? Yeah, I mean it just. It, I mean it was amazing, but it just you know 
but you did these things because it was just like well let's try it and let's try and it's no different today it's just yeah. you know what let's just give it a go and see what see what happens did that must have gone wrong sometimes then you must have done like just people always say it's like uh, it's when they see Ronaldo banging a 40 year 40 yard free kick and we don't see the thousand hours on the training pitch. Oh, yeah. Is it the same with Heston stuff? It's coming out, it's magic, people can't believe it, but you haven't seen 999 failed experiments. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, even today, 20 years on, we'll be working on an idea that we absolutely believe in. Yeah. You know, it's a dead cert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, I hope yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to that in a second. And a year later, you're like, Oh, it's just, a year later this is not going anywhere Let's, we need work. to park this one up and yeah. we'll, we'll, have you got any examples of like we'll, some rabbit holes you've gone down it's just <laughs> well, the, 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 I mean probably the most famous one was um, I mean imagine your kitchen downstairs right yeah you can just about turn around yeah we had sort of two of those rooms a bit like yourself I remember seeing it back in the day right. yeah. delivery arrives you know it wasn't Amazon back then either it was mm. like you know, some guy comes in with this massive box. We're like, what is this? Open the box up. And it is like the biggest candy floss machine you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> he's like, I bought this candy floss machine. And like, like you see at the fair? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, it's crazy size. Yeah. Right, we're going to put it on the where we were doing the amuse-bouche. It takes up half the bench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really want to make unsweet candy floss. Completely. Not, not... 20%, not 10%, like completely savoury candy floss. This is like nearly, tw- well, 18 years ago. Oh my word. <laughs> and, and that one, I tell you what, there was a lot of spun substances <laughs> everywhere in the kitchen. Um, nothing really worked. To be truly non-sweet. Yeah. But um, that one, that one, <laughs> that, that one excellent. got shelved after probably about a year. But you know, this, this bloody machine was... You always come out every now and again. You're like, ah, oh, <laughs> we're doing this again. It will work. This, yeah. this, this is maybe it will. You know, is but, it easy um, to say, like, put your arm on Heston? It's over. Put the candy. No. Is, that, is that easy to? You do? never want to be the one fair. to say no. This isn't going to work. So, yeah, you, you, but point. everyone was trying absolutely everything all the time. So, if you can have like-minded people, like, no different to anywhere. Now, yeah. if you can have people that can see something that are all going the same way with a very different approach, which is what you need, you need that diversity. Yeah, um, it's no different. But I mean, it, it, you know, I've probably forgotten more than I remember. Yeah, you know, there's so crazy, many experiments, yeah. crazy, crazy stories. But um, what rabbit holes have you gone down when you've just been uh, stubborn and gone, "I've this is gonna work." But it's more that you can, you can. I'm sure you'd be the same. Actually, think of a, a dish in your head, and in your head. You can you can taste it and you think that is going to be amazing and it just doesn't translate. Yeah. No, no matter how many times you work on it. Like even the, the other day, I was up here last Saturday. The guys were doing service. I was just working on a new dish, and in my head it was amazing. And it was um, there was nothing wrong with it, but it was just like that's so flat, it's so oh, really? boring. Go and on. there's components of things. It was just like a beef rib with this. Um, Solera, I cooked in a new funky oven we've got over there, a dialogue oven. Um, which so you've got, got all the carrot then, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, this pasta ketchup and then yeast, and it was just bland, and I just couldn't work out what was working. So I just thought, right, I'm going to sack it off because normally I'll flog that dead horse and I'll keep going. <laughs> but sometimes it's it really off. worth it though. Yeah, and you know, I'll come up with the dish you had tonight, the rib with the malt puree and stuff. That was lovely. And that's just, that's the kind of flavour I was looking at that I wanted. It's got more depth to it. Mm. And, and I was just, why don't I just do that? And then it 
I was happy with it. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. It comes together, you know when it? to stop sometimes because yeah. sometimes a dish can take a lot of development. Sometimes it's quite quick and then sometimes you are flogging it at all. Has there been ever one where you thought this will never work and then what comes out is like, oh my word, we've dis- or discovered something that will be big here or something, you know, never been done Well, before. I think, I mean, you know, it's, it's slightly different for dinner where... Where where we had the opportunity to open that restaurant based around British history, mm-hmm. we have this mega document that we've been adding to and adding to. That's probably I don't know, two hundred thousand words somewhere in there. Snippets of information. Really? Oh yeah, it's massive. So you read. Wow. Okay. The way I explain it to people is you read these snippets of information. It could be a dish. It could be um, the the way a dish was put together but it's these are not recipes like we write today for the chefs in the kitchen or for cookbooks or for press sure. this is just a reminder how it was made so you could remember next time got you rather so it's like a small handful yeah you're yeah. like well what's a small handful <laughs> yeah <laughs> whose hands it's yeah. either 20 grams or it's 22 grams or whatever you know yeah. and um so we'll read these bits of information and then you get excited about god that sounds amazing wasn't that quite technical that flavor combination well what you know this is 1500 1400 back then this is pretty progressive Mm -hmm. and so you go well actually do you know what if we you get inspired by that idea and then try and marry it to um just brilliant produce that you want to put on but it's it's all a big piece in the pie but sure and and what great story can we tell from this and where has it come from that has always come across as one of the biggest points of Heston's food uh, obviously in the restaurants but even on the TV shows he's done is about history stories yeah. connecting people mm. to memories and theatre and music yeah. and all those sorts deeper of things deeper layering into yeah, yeah. things and you know some people will come to the restaurant and just want to eat really nice food that tastes great and have great service and have a chat with their friends but the majority want to come and learn the layers behind you know a bit, a bit like you would want to know where your food comes from mm-hmm. it's different now than it was 20 years ago yeah, yeah. you know no one was quoting where, where the farm was or where the water was or who caught it or who grew it but now that those ago. things are in the adverts of the, these products now well exactly people care about the but story it's, it's evolved so far mm. that this kind of storytelling layer and when you can get behind something that is from your country mm. and you can be really patriotic about it, it's pretty amazing yeah that's pretty cool. and um Getting back to the the point was that we read over and we read over and we read over and there was one dish on there that was called frumenti or fermenti. There's about twenty ways of spelling it. Okay, but it sounds really funny. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah. Fem- fermenti, Ferme- frumenti, frumenti, or fermenti. Yeah. Okay. And um, we ended up um, making a dish or starting that journey three years later than first reading about the original sort of snippet of information, and. That I find quite fascinating because that, 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 mm. for the three years prior to that, nothing came out of the team. And then three years later, you're like, well, actually, we could do this. And why don't we start doing that? Don't know what it's for, but there's, and, you know, it all comes together like a jigsaw. Yeah. Um, so there's no, there's no set pattern. You just have to have an, a structured idea how to go, how to start, and then be structured but let it flow the way it's going to flow. And it might be completely different. That is different to how I thought it would go. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't oh, know why. Okay. I, I just, I mean, it's baffling. Like, especially when you see, um, I mean, a lot of Heston's food, like depicted on TV shows and stuff, it just comes across as like fun and balmy and almost Willy Wonka-like. But then when you talk mm. about all these methods and the history and 
there is just so much obviously when I'm saying it aloud there's so much more thought that's yeah. going into all but that. I, I think you know from the early days of Fat Duck when it all started to you know come back to the to the equipment I remember Heston saying right I want to I want to order one of these I'm like right that's Fisher Scientific <laughs> okay <laughs> what is it yeah well it's a water bath and I'm like right okay so phone a number Hi there, I'm um, calling from a restaurant called The Fat Duck. You what? Where? <laughs> what? The Fat What? And you're like, this is the same every time. About like, a water bath? It's called The Fat Duck in Bray. Um, worked for a, a chef called Heston Blumenthal. Nah, sorry, never heard of him. I'm like, right, okay. What we want is this. Give them the code. And they're like, okay, what do you want that for? Well, we want to cook in it. And they're like, well, no, you can't do that. <laughs> what? Like, well, About the water bath? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, this is amazing because this is how old I am. Really, and uh, oh, unfortunately, mate. twenty years is is a long time. But you know, we had to talk them into giving us or selling us this water bath. So, what were water baths for if they weren't for cooking? They were for science. Yeah, Just yeah. For they they were enamelled. You yeah. know, the enamel would come off. They weren't built for kitchens. They were built for labs. So, were you the first restaurant to have one then? I think we would definitely be one of the first. That for sure. is yeah. crazy. And like, I thought that was the case. Yeah. What do you want to What do you want to put in there? We're like, well, we're going to cook fish in oil in it. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> well, I look, look, we're going to backpack it. No, no, we'll worry about that. Just sell us a water bath. Yeah. And we oh. had the first one and. We, we did various sort of charity events and I remember going to, you know, the, the big ones like Luca, for mm-hmm. example, the leukemia um, fundraiser in London. And we'd turn up with a water bath when we started sous vide cooking and you would just be looked down the nose at going, what are you doing? <laughs> that seems <laughs> so crazy now. Like. By many. And I tell you what, even we did a, we did a dinner in uh, Las Vegas with Paul Bacuse at L'Atelier. He had a, he had a, a, a three-star equivalent small tiny little private restaurant yeah and um i remember being in the kitchen and we we took this water bath and and all of these guys were just i mean i was like i could have been shot you know and they were looking at me like what is going on here we were cooking (laughs) lamb at the time (laughs) and i remember dressing on the on the on the pass uh for this fundraiser and and paul because put his arm around me and he was like he just he, he just nodded and went hmm that's pretty good wow and you're just like oh my god this is amazing but we look at it now but back then it was quite hostile the not master chef normal master chef contestants are using water baths now yeah Yeah. people have got them them at home have they that that is mental and i mean you know they get a bad name for being used incorrectly yeah exactly but it's like everything is everything that you have as part of your your arsenal of equipment and technique if you don't understand it yeah, yeah, and work with it in the opposite way. Of course, you're gonna you're gonna be missing things from the end result. But you you know that's it's no different than anything else. If you don't understand, it's not going to be any good. No, I I um I think this is a good point to move on to like what happens next when it comes out of the kitchen and gets put down in front of you. I've never eaten at any of Heston's places. I don't know you obviously have. Yeah, but the theatre of it and the presentation is definitely beyond what a lot of restaurants do even at a Michelin standard yeah I don't even know where to start with this to be honest because I've never been there so can you like give us like some yeah, experiences well, uh, of- first time I went to Fat Duck was it was just after you got the third star so we went in 2004 yeah we went just after so 2005 Five. and I, I'd spent most of it just not knowing what was going on Obviously, I'd read so much about it. was like it. us as well, to be honest. We didn't know what was going on either, to be honest, at that stage. 
just not just never experienced food and service like it and even though like the the beetroot and orange dish you used to do yeah. the jelly even though I'd, I'd read up in it and i knew it and so if, if you don't know what it is it's like it was a beetroot jelly and an orange jelly but they were the other way around so oh, it's so a purple one, one and an orange one yeah so yellow golden, beetroot and blood orange yeah. yeah yeah even though i knew that one was the other it's i was still like tasting it the yeah. way obviously you'd intended and then like the best dish I'd ever had at the time was the um, the quail jelly with the, the parfait yeah. and the pea and that just blew me away. And just the the, yeah. the way it was delivered. Was it with, was it with Lango as well? Was it? Yeah, so it was um, oh, pea gosh. mousse on the bottom yeah. with little cubes of um, daikon. Was it, was it daikon? Yeah. Turnip. And then it had this quail consomme, like really fragrant, finished with Madeira, cold infusion of herbs. You mm. know, this is... You know, we're infusing stuff cold because you understand the difference between cold and hot and what happens to the volatile yeah. sort of aromas. And and then on top of that was a, um, a langoustine cream. Sometimes it was langoustine, sometimes it was crab. And then a, a foie gras parfait That's quenelle it. on top and oh. then truffle toast on the side. And, you know, Man, I, I have to luxurious. agree. It's probably one of the best things I've ever eaten that sticks just out. Just those layers and textures and everything going on. I Incredible. Just, so what 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 is this? Was it but do you know what? Was that on the menu for a long time? Then it is. I mean, it's still on sometimes. Oh, is it? Um, oh, it's not wow. on all the time. Um, it's um, funny enough. The dish when I went to um, work at Fat Duck, I because I'd grown up with a North American chef. I had the kind of Jeremiah Tower, Charlie Trotter, Charlie Palmer, Alice Waters kind of cookbook vibe going on, mm-hmm. as well as the Marco Gordon. Sure. Alistair Little, you know, the, the the English guys. And I, I didn't really know much about French cooking. And on my desk at work at the moment, back in Bray, I have a I have um, Alain Chappelle's book. Not many pictures at all. They're, they're all old, old sort of black and white photography of, of the kitchen, which I find yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, and that dish was, and back then, this is before anyone put anything on any menu you see it now Mm. but there was a good 10 year 12 year period in this country where no one ever put where something came from like the homage or the the, you know the the kind of credit of that inspiration and ever since day one I've been there it always said homage to Alain Chappelle yeah I remember reading that and Alain Chappelle's plate of pickled and raw vegetables with this um, quail or pigeon jelly with crab cream um, you know, kind of quite quite modern actually when you think yeah. about it for the eighties. Sure, gosh, um, yeah, was in, and I've been looking at that book this week. Fair no, enough. Yeah, How weird. Fair, yeah amazing. amazing. I went back in two thousand and ten, and it just gone up another level. Like the the menu, the the food, the service, the theatre of it, and like everything was knockout. But like the that quail dish got topped by the pigeon dish, so with the liquid pudding and the pot of umbles. I took a spoon of the umbles and it was with, with spout and puff spout. Yeah. I took a spoon, I looked at my wife and she just looked really disappointed. What? I said, you've never looked at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, wow. it was just so comforting, it's like tasty texture. Oh, it, it just that Just that pot of umbles I could have had, yeah. it just blew me away. Oh, oh amazing. That yeah. is awesome. I love that. I think it was quite, you know, it was quite... For, for a big period of time it was quite an exhausting experience because people would come in and they would be challenged and then given something comforting and then push the boat out again and challenge them and mm. you know it was, it was pretty hard going 
When you, I, I spoke to someone a few weeks ago, went out with dinner with someone who just recently eaten at Heston's, and yeah. they were. It was funny because I haven't got a table book there, but they were really coy about telling us what happened because there was this air of like, oh, we'll, if you ever go, we'll let you experience. Because yeah. it was, it was like this mystery that, like this Willy Wonka chocolate factory style. But can you let us into like, a, <clears throat> what is like the weirdest? Not weirdest. That's a horrible word. But do you know what I mean? Like the, in terms of the theatre and the presentation or yeah. experience you give. What what are the sort of examples of really quite out there stuff? Joe, you know, I think I think a lot of the techniques that are you know considered multisensory, and you know, it has some really sort of challenged the way people started to look at how they produced food that went beyond what was on the plate yeah and how sight smell touch words music sound light whatever it is mm. texture weight in things really sort of shaped the way that we now well most people you know at the upper level mm -hmm. are considering things when they put things together like am I going to cook this on the planter or in a pan or am I going to do it under the grill or am I going to do it under charcoal? It's become part of our cooking culture now. Mm -hmm. um, I think the beauty of it is it's almost like the new luxury is the experience yeah, yeah. and not all the paraphernalia that goes before it. Mm -hmm. So you have this journey and, and something we always try and do is, is is have hidden delight in things and discovery and surprise not for surprise sake but we don't want everyone to have everything before they come if sure. you know what i mean because it's all in our hand now and you know when i started going there there was no internet there was no well it's just starting of course there was no instagram and mm. twitter and websites and god god knows what just over youtube and I, videos yeah, just... and all of the different things immediate that, just there yeah yeah and so i think it's almost like the new luxury it's about being in the moment uh -huh. and about experiencing it for yourself and with whoever you're with it would be kind of wrong to give away oh, damn what it. it is <laughs> it's not what you want to hear but you <laughs> no, know what? it isn't it's <laughs> gotta go the, yeah. the thing i will tell you go on, is go on. that give us one they the team there have have an incredible um, mechanism and way of creating nostalgic memories for you and only you that are a catalyst for you to <laughs> Paul's read. nodding at me knowing you like they do. They so do. like, for example, like, you know, Paul looking at the civet yeah. in the most loving way, yeah. um, you know, things that might have happened in your life 20, 30 years ago, there are catalysts that will happen and... But how do you know? How do you what? We just. <laughs> how do you know? How? You just know. I can't tell you. This has all got like a bit you know, MI5y. You know. It's like the magic circle. I can't. I can't tell you. I literally. This is just freaking me out. To, like, what do you mean? But it's 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 you know like like. Do you scroll through their Facebook pages. I tell you what. You, when we moved to Australia and renovated a fat duck, and the restaurant was just before it came back, and I remember Heston saying, "You know, it's not." It's not really a restaurant. I, I'm going to not call it a restaurant anymore. And we're like, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> it is a restaurant, but it isn't. And, you know, he's 100% right. It is not just a restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's something that goes, I've never experienced anything like it. I know I'm biased. But also I see inside and from the technicality of a chef and someone who enjoys 
seeing other people experience things that are just incredible. You know, I mean... I feel like you're doing this to, it to us now. Because I feel like I've learned everything and yet I know nothing at all. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've just got so much insight, but yet I still mean, don't yeah. know what goes on in those It's a bit like walls. Brexit, isn't it, really? <laughs> to be honest, I'm telling you everything, but you know <laughs> nothing about it. Like and you don't it. know whether to book a table or not. <laughs> um, I'm definitely booking all, a table. All I can say is it, it, it's, it's beyond just going to a restaurant. It's an experience, but it will go a lot deeper. The layers are there, the storytelling, the kind of your own memories that only you have in your head will be a catalyst and and a, and a time where you know we haven't got our phones out i know we're being filmed and and we're recording this sure. but it's about it's about i'll never forget coming up here for dinner after seeing paul's journey and and doing this you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all I'm part not, of the experience yeah. you know it's it, it's something i've experienced and it's rich for me in my head as a memory I've read between the lines, fine, if you can get me a table, I'll come and experience <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go back because I've noticed and heard about how much it's changed in like nine years since I've been. And when you, I think the biggest change was after Melbourne refurbed the kitchen yeah. and, and the menu changed massively, didn't it? So yeah, yeah. I want to go back because it's like a different place to what yeah, I've been to. It would be. Yeah, absolutely. From the outside I mean, looking in. I'll tell you what, we'll all go. Oh, yes. Yeah. Love go. it. There you go. <laughs> I'll stop trying to prod you for more information and we'll move on to our next topic, which I don't really know much about. I've deliberately not asked you because I'm really excited to sort of learn about this. So you guys went to Kilimanjaro back in 2012. That's right. right? Yeah. What was the situation? How did it come about? And um, give us some stories from the time. I remember, um, was it? so Ashley had done a lot of work with Farm Africa charity and then we, you arranged a dinner at Sainsbury's headquarters, wasn't it? And then invited me along. I went and did the dessert. Um, and I was just honoured to do it, like Ashley, Bruno, Lube, and me. I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> oh, what was I doing there, to be honest? Like, <laughs> and, wow. Um, yeah, you were talking about it, you so said you wanted to get a crew together, and I was like, well, if you consider me, I'd love love to do it. And um, so it was, yeah, Ashley got organised, so it was Ashley, me, Paolo Di Tasso, John Freeman, weren't it? And yeah. the cameraman, and then a guy from, a girl from Farm Africa. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was it was a mind blown experience, wasn't it? It was. It Did was you know what you let yourself in? For? No, not, not really. Not no. at all. <laughs> There's no you... mountains in Berkshire. No, <laughs> you, know? you can't prepare for altitude here, can mm. you? But I mean, I got a bit fitter, not massively. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I can just picture runs. you. I don't know why. I can just picture you turn up with. A bucket hat and a Cobb City shirt, like, <laughs> just like and a, and a lunchbox. Like, go ahead, let's, yeah, let's ready. climb it. Is that it? I'll climb yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was. It was so many, so many stories from it, and just how we, how we did it. It was. Was it? It was five days up, two days down. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So five days to get up there. We didn't really think about the two days down. <laughs> no. No. Just gotta be all. honest. Just I slide thought, down when you get. To well, the you top. just concentrate on getting to the top, yeah, right? Yeah. That's your goal. If you, you go down, it's easy. You forget oh. about going. You're like, actually, I feel pretty ill up here. How are we going to get down? <laughs> it, it was crazy. <laughs> was it? But, <laughs> but you think you're going to get. You, you think you're going to train really hard, and I I had started cycling at that time, and I thought, Do you know what, I'm pretty fit. I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm going to jog up to that, you know, <laughs> the signpost at the top, yeah, that Rocky last st kilometre. Rocky style, yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, we went up in the in the, in the the truck, didn't we? And yeah. we got out at that, like, sort of base part about mm. 3,000 metres. And we're all like, ooh, I've got a bit of a headache, actually. Mm. This ain't <laughs> good. Like, we're only at 3,000 metres here. And we start walking and we're like, ooh, 
It's pretty hard going, actually. I love you, the gear. You're looking for me a shirt. It's like, I've just got a bit of a headache. Have you, have you got a bit of a headache? Or yeah, and you're, you're trying to be all tough and kind of like, <laughs> well, I've organised this, so I can't be the one to <laughs> go down, can I? It's my idea. I can't, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we go up, we get in this camp. You, well, the thing you don't realise is you're not going to sleep for a week. Yeah. No. You're going to walk for eight hours a day. And I'm really scared of heights, right? So, <laughs> And I mean pretty bad if I had to go out that fire escape I would be on the side really oh yeah wow so you and you went up one of the biggest mountains in the so world, I'm like so. well I'm gonna be, I'll, I'll work it out I'll be alright and um, <laughs> baby steps yeah. and I just remember saying to the guy like you know I'm really scared of heights I'm just warning you what is my bad day it's day five right. <laughs> straight right. day five mate. oh that's alright then I've got four days I'm gonna be absolutely fine by day five I'll be fine yeah not a problem yeah okay well, Badly wrong. <laughs> Why? How did that manifest itself? Well, it was just, we, we were at like 3,000 metres, we would go up to 3,800, and then we'd go down a bit, stay a night there, and then you go up a bit, and you're, you're climbing along. The I didn't realise that. Yeah, you, yeah. you climb high, sleep low to, to get used to the altitude. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I it's, didn't realise it, But you don't sleep because it's absolutely no. freezing. And you're up, because of the altitude, you're up going the loo every two hours in the night. You drink so much water. Oh, God. You sacrifice a water bottle pretty damn quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. you're like, I'm not going out there. Because if I go out there, I'm never going to go back to sleep. It's oh, like yeah. minus 10. Yeah. And um, like wind chill, everything. It's brutal. Freezing. And you definitely not go in the twenty yards to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, nah, so, no what are you eating? What are you eating there? We had loads. It was amazing. Take on so many Did you take your longest steam dish up though? No, nah, nah, you needed. <laughs> I think we needed about six thousand calories a day. Yeah, wow, yeah. That's what you were burning. Oh, exciting. But your metabolism goes so yeah. fast, and you just you just walking and hiking and climbing constantly for but eight nine hours. You know, you're not used to walking on those kind of things. You yeah. know, I thought I was fit, but I was not fit. <laughs> and then day four. The, the, the guy, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, I put on the spot now. Um, Orca. Orca. Orca was like, right, I'll tell you what, Ash, we're going we're gonna to send you with this guy. Was he like barefoot, 10 rucksacks? He's amazing, like, this guy. Yeah. He's been up there 50 odd times. Loads of times. <laughs> by the time we'd done it. And he said, right, you're going to go with this guy. I'm going to take these guys up to 4,200 meters. They're going to have lunch up there, which I think was chicken and chips. Oh, nice. It was chicken and chips. Which oh, you can remember. I was lovely. pretty <laughs> miffed about. And I remember walking with this one guy. So it was pretty boring, just walking along. And I'm walking into a, a valley gully with a kind of table floor with an edge of the cliff at the end and two walls on either side. Oh, my and I remember walking down and I was like, please tell me the goat track on that left-hand wall <laughs> is not the way out of this valley. And he's like... It is. And I'm like, oh, you're fucking kidding me! And I, you know, hard. I have to say, you know, I had a proper freak out. I, I phoned my wife. I was, if she could have helicoptered me out of there, she would have. I was. What were you saying? Like, come get me. Why? I was broken. Because remember, that was the only place. I'm that afraid well, of heights. I am oh, that no. afraid. And the mist came in. I'm like, and, and the is like, look, it's Bottom not that gone. bad. It's called the Barranca Wall. Don't worry, we'll go and do it tonight and then we'll come back down. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing it twice. There's no way. I'd rather just do it once. Didn't sleep all night. Absolutely crapping myself. We started in the dark. Oh, God. And I got up this wall and there's, we filmed this thing, right? Yeah. And, um, well, that's quite rough, rough cut together. You know, you've got these guys down the bottom going, oh, yeah, he's about halfway out. He's doing all right, actually. Yeah, not bad. And I'm at, I'm, I'm on this, like, ledge. 
literally like back to the wall. Yeah. Well, no, front of the wall. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. God, it's, I feel it's pretty nervous. shit. It's it pretty was shit. fucking horrendous, <laughs> yeah. is what it was. Right? <laughs> going back, going left was going back, and there was absolutely no way that was going to happen. Yeah. And I'm talking to myself like I've got Tourette's all the way up the mountain. And I'm like, right, Ash, come on, you can't stay here for the rest of your life. So the only way is that way. That way is horrendous. That way is even worse. Gotta keep moving. And. He's like, right, you can go round this one. I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm going round it. <laughs> so I went over the top. I just scrambled like a four-wheel drive. Like... <laughs> oh and I got to the top. And I've n- uh, honestly, it makes me sweat now to think of that. <laughs> I feel it was bit... horrible. Uh, were you all right with that? Yeah, I was fine with oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I, I, I just don't mind it that much. It was a little bit of your adrenaline's going because it's pretty sheer and it's pretty high, isn't it? <laughs> that was like the only real, real climbing bit where... You know, you're full, you're, you're done. So, <laughs> oh, that yeah. is, that is, yeah. there's no rope. Or, I know it's only, yeah. you know, there'd be mountaineers going, oh, it's only a bloody trek, it's a walk up a sure. But you're knackered, you haven't slept for a week, absolutely terrified of heights. And it's just, I, I can't, I can't stop because these guys are here and I've asked them to come and now <laughs> yeah. I'm being <laughs> you've invited back. them out I can yeah. see them 100 metres down there going alright oh, it's doing alright and I'm thinking fuck oh, god <laughs> I would love that so yeah what was it like when you finally got to the top though was that, uh, uh, it was really emotional because when, when you do the top you do it through the night so we had dinner at like 6pm didn't we and then yeah. uh, you go to bed at 6pm sleep for 6 hours get up at midnight and have breakfast and then you do the summit because the summit is like 6 hours Wow, okay. So the idea is you get up as the sun's rising, so you get the full experience. Understood. And you can only stay, is it like 30 minutes? Cause yeah, it's like tunes. a vertical kilometre, the last bit. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, it's full on. Doing it in the night, little light on top, and we're all, you feel like drunk with a hangover. It's, oh, oh, it's horrible. God. Do you remember the, um, they decided to give us our letter from our family oh, back God, home? Oh, yeah, it broke us all. Oh, oh Jesus. Just before about to go to bed on summit night. <laughs> Oh, we didn't. We didn't my. know they'd written letters, and then one from. <laughs> Here you go, Paul. Here's your letter. Yeah. Here's yours, and you're like, oh my god, it's like, <laughs> yeah, broken, broken. Like, you're on the edge anyway. You are. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah, by a mile. Oh, and you, and you go, do you know what? It's going to be all right. We're going to get up there. And I remember the guy saying to me, he's like, you need to wake up. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're falling asleep as you're going up this kind of thing with the rock oh, on your left-hand geez. side with the poles, uh, he's like, I'm going to have to send you down in a minute. And I'm like, no, 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 no I'll be all right, I'll be all right. Way. And you think, oh, I'm going to just jog up to the top. And you get up to the, the kind of, the edge of the kind of crater thing. Yeah. And then you've got to turn left and go up this other little bit, which only looks like over there. Yeah. Like it's closest hours. from here to our hotel. Right, right? okay. Yeah. And it takes forever. It's like oh. an hour. And you're like, you can hardly move. Oh, my it was horrendous. Awful. Yeah, and you get up there and you're like, "Oh, I feel pretty rough actually." Mm. How are we going to get down? <laughs> you're more yeah. concerned about that than appreciating. Well, you don't things. even think about it because you all you do is concentrate. And we we had our picture. We hung a chef's jacket on the sign. Nice. Yeah. And um, we had our picture. Felt terrible. And um, then we're like, "Shit, how do we get down?" And then do you remember? It was like oh, I remember John Freeman down. looking at us, going, "If I fall over one more." Time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like a big angry bear as well. yeah, he's yeah. like I'm just going to sleep right here wherever I, wherever I fall wherever I fall now I'm just going to sleep uh, until I want to get up and I'll catch up I love it because it was like cocoa powder on a ski slope that you do put your foot in and it would go a metre yeah. every time oh that's horrible I, I was going with, with Paolo and 
because the temperature was changing we were like ice cold to hot he just kept stopping to take his clothes off put his clothes off i was like paolo i'm leaving you i'm gonna pass out but pretty much i've never skied in my life right but i skied somehow down this um like down this hill got back to the tent and um there was one of the sherpa guys there and i just couldn't talk and i, I sat in my tent and my um fingers were like linguini i couldn't undo my laces and i was just pointing and going <laughs> Someone did my laces. I didn't have the strength. I was just broken. He did my laces and I just collapsed and went to bed and slept for like a few hours. Yeah. But then we had to get up after three hours and go again for a few hours, didn't we, to get, yeah. get lower to the next camp. Christ. I just yeah. remember my shoes. My toes were in the end of my shoes because you're just walking downhill forever. And it was just like glass in my toes. And you're just like, fuck, I'm going to take these off in a minute and walk barefoot through, <laughs> wow, the, through the muddy little rainforesty yeah. bit. And yeah. It's like, this is just, this is horrendous. Well, it was hard. Yeah. One of the most amazing things on the summit was you stand up there and you can see the curvature of the earth. And yeah. You're like, wow. Flat earth was done. Unbelievable. And, and you see a plane like going, you know, a, a jet below you. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is amazing. And you that. sleep above the clouds. You're in your tent on a, on a ramp and you look down and your feet and then the clouds are below your feet. Yeah. It's crazy. That is, I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Oh, but like the, the the crazy thing is we're carrying a day pack and mm. then you've got the Sherpas going up with like it's like how can I complain sixty <laughs> kilos balancing on their head with a strap. Yeah, you know, they're pulling it up. Your candy loss but candy floss machine, yeah. They they've packed the they've packed the camp up. They've sprinted past you and you're like, This is impossible. Oh. You you're an absolute weed here. <laughs> and then they've set the camp up, they're already cooking when you get there and then yeah, they sing for you when they get in there and you oh. just you just want to cry every yeah. time you come into okay, camp. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous. And plus, they're doing it in clothes that have been given to them. So some of them were wearing bratted old brogues yeah. to climb a mountain. Some in flip flops. There's what? a guy up yeah. there with a braggard. Yeah. I gave it to him. <laughs> so did you? There's one Sherpa up there with a braggard, <laughs> five years old. I love that. Oh but, man. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it was amazing though. I. Yeah. You know, it was incredible. Would I do it again? No way. I'm going to no, troll. I'm going to troll through YouTube trying to find some of that footage though, because it sounds. I'll we'll send it to you. Yeah. Have you got? Some? It's, it is on YouTube actually. Brilliant. Is, I am yeah. jumping straight on there. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. Okay, we're going to move on to a couple of our favourite features. Then the last ones of the series. Time for some TripAdvisor reviews. Great fun. <laughs> yeah. My favourite. Oh dear. Uh, another season of TripAdvisor reviews. This is how the game works. I'll present both of our chefs with a real TripAdvisor review, but they have to determine whether that review is of their restaurant or someone else's. Sure, I'll do one. I'll do Ashley's first. Yeah. And see whether, okay, so I'm going to present. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. I'm going to present Paul with a restaurant review. He has to decide whether it's one of your restaurants or not. Right. One star. Good start. Oh, I was looking forward to this. <laughs> Sadly, when the bread arrived, I took a small bite and a long hair was intertwined inside. Yuck. They wrote yuck. Well, it ruined my evening. I called the manager and he swiftly took the plate away with nothing to say. He gave us a very dismissive look. Rather rude, in my opinion. I didn't enjoy my food. The rest of the evening was ruined by my findings and indeed the rude manager. I do think a restaurant of this standard should have at least apologised. We are fortunate enough to have visited a plethora of fine restaurants in the area. They always say that. <laughs> they love saying that. They yeah. love getting that in. Yeah, it's not I a will. CV. <laughs> I will not be going back there until matters like this 
are addressed. Is that dinner by Heston or somewhere else? Paul Foster. No, not at all. Not at all. Because I, I, I just think the, the approach to it, if, if that were to happen, would be completely different. They've got like the highest service standards. Yeah. Not that they ever tell the truth on TripAdvisor. But. <laughs> what I want to know oh, okay. is when would said person know that those things had been addressed in the future without going to the restaurant? So they would then consequently decide they are actually going to revisit. Good yeah. point, Ashley. Uh, but do you, do you think that was yours or not? I, I, I hope not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can tell you that that was... Dinner by Heston was it? on TripAdvisor no about a year ago. That review was it? Yeah. That's Do you guys? I can't imagine you guys looking at TripAdvisor reviews. To be honest, um, it just doesn't seem like a very Dinner by Heston thing. I must admit, I don't. Good but for you, you mate. Know, I'd like I think to of think the first chef that's come in here and said that. I yeah. think every single chef has said that they look at it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Above it, look at that. Above yeah, it. It just doesn't give a shit. I'll get that. No, it's I, I, what I give a shit about is someone having a bad experience and yeah. and people. You know, we would want to catch every, whatever the reason, for whatever it is, whether it's even they don't like something, we would go out of our way to make sure that we catch something sure. before well, someone leaves. But I did think, though, <laughs> with Heston's places, they get, there's a hair in my bread. They're supposed to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough, yeah. It's to there deliberately. It's to represent. Like, fair you, enough, no. But I mean, you know. Yeah, it's, have that, have that one. It's one of those ones where. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're all human at the end of the day, but oh, completely yeah. agree, you just hope anything that does happen, you want to be able to handle it as best you can. Oh, of course, yeah. uh, we, we, we had that happen to us only a few weeks ago. So this woman, it was a fish main course. There's a long black hair on top of the fish. Nobody in my team has got long black hair. That woman had long black hair. <laughs> <laughs> she, wouldn't, she wouldn't have it. And it was were you there? Like this is yours. Yeah, we're the kitchen's open. I've got short dark hair. <laughs> The only person with long hair was Laura, who's got blonde hair, and it was black. So <laughs> awkward. And then I went through CCTV, and she's like, "Looking <laughs> at hair all night." Yeah. It's like if your own hair finds its way. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean. It is. Yeah, you just apologise that she put her own hair. <laughs> oh, you can't. I, I, I don't I know. Love. I let the manager deal with it because I'm not very good at dealing with stuff like that. No, so. clearly. Okay, your your turn, Ashley. Uh, I'll give you a review. You've got to decide whether it's salt or somewhere else. One star. The most arrogant owner I have ever seen. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? I don't know what. He is a hypocrite who does not want to hear anything from anyone and he thinks he knows everything. I don't know what that sentence means. I don't know what a Michelin star looks like, but he can bend it in the backside. <laughs> It is not worth paying so much money for a menu with the cheapest products based on vegetables that are not expensive. That owner, who is also the chef, should learn to speak properly. He has a dirty mouth and should wash it out with soap. I hope you lose your star and stick it up your ass. That's a cracker. This is why I don't is look at that, it. Is that salt? Or is it somewhere else? It can't be salt. It can't be. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because Paul loves meat too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Not an so, based on that, I would say, and, of course, he's not arrogant. Mm. Wow. Um, <laughs> he's just the chef. That's all. You know? Um, but, no, I'd say it's not. 
It is. It is. No way. That yeah. is. So, you look it, at it, do you? I got it removed. No, my guys told me. I don't. You got it removed now. before I screenshotted it. So yeah. Are you worried about that? No, I was. It was last Sunday. I was appearing there and week? stuff. The guys come and told me, "Have you seen it?" I was like, "No." And they read it out. <laughs> Who looks so at it? So you're telling me I can't talk, and you can't even write. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the worst grammar ever. Oh, um, no, I got it removed. There's no context in that. It's just an attack on me. I've no idea who that was. It was their first and only ever review. So, yeah, yeah they, they removed it after, like, <laughs> saying they wouldn't because they said it fits into their guidelines, which just typifies them, really. <laughs> I love it, mate. Like, wow. Yeah. Assuming they never came? I don't know. Couldn't tell you who, what. Someone doesn't like me. Yeah. That's very clear. What I want to know, though, is at what point would they have got to know that you, sw- like... He's got a dirty mouth, and he's like, when would you like? Would you like want to? Know, All right, you twats. Like what? what, what <laughs> point? Yeah, where are you swe- spending the time know. swearing at them? Because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I no. don't. Yeah. I climbed a mountain with this guy, and I wouldn't say he's got a dirty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. Okay, uh, let's move on to boiling point, shall we? This is where our chefs <clears> tell the real heat of the kitchen. When have you lost your shit on someone, or when have they lost their shit on you? Paul showed me his phone earlier. He's got like a hundred written down in his phone. Not so I think me, gonna, I must wow. say. Not There'll me. be like seven series of the Nightcap just on that content <laughs> wow. alone. Yeah, so, these, uh, these are things I've witnessed or things that have happened to me and a few I've done or not been proud of. You go first then, Paul. Um, so, so we've got a very strict uh, cancellation policy like a lot of restaurants have here um, nowadays and um, to protect us as a small business. Like, for example like how it affects us and a lot of guests don't understand especially around here because we're the first restaurant in Stratford ever to do it and we get a lot of shit for it especially <laughs> in the early days no one knew who we were what we were doing and yeah. I had to start from day one trying to introduce that in a year's time would have been a nightmare so we introduced it and we, we were firm with it but you know flexible where we could be like this week for instance I had a table of nine cancelled yesterday for last night right oh. a table of six cancelled tonight and a table of four as well that's ten percent of my weekly revenue. That is, we do, you know, what up to two hundred covers a week. That's that, a I lot can't, of I money. I can't afford to yeah. survive with that. Um, but yeah, in, in the early days, once um, we had a table booked on a Sunday lunch, they've been booked for ages, and this woman phoned up about an hour before the table. It was about eleven o'clock. Um, my husband's been rushed into hospital, emergency. We can't come in for lunch and. Tom, this waiter used to have, was a lot more compassionate than me. Um, <laughs> yeah. He told me, and I said, okay, did you, you know, inform them about our cancellation policy? So you, you can't do that. I said, all right, call her bluff. I said, if your partner had been rushed into hospital emergency, would the first thing you'd do, phone a restaurant? Yeah, that's you a good You would forget point. about that and deal with it later. Yeah. I said, just be as polite and compassionate as you possible, find out what's happened and just subtly mention the cancellation policy oh bless it so he does slip it. it in there yeah slip it in you will yep. be charged should we not sell the table because yeah. yeah if we do sell the table we'd never charge anyone. fine um so he did and she well yeah he's not been rushed into hospital oh god he's been offered a scan um he's been waiting for a scan for ages and they phoned him up today um so we really need to scan it's really important he come back and told me I said, that is bullshit. Yeah. There's no one working in the offices and hospitals on a Sunday phoning up, do you want a scan? <laughs> like, just inform them, really sorry to hear it. You know, if the scan is really important, but we will have to charge you. They came in an hour later, had a lovely lunch and spent loads of money. Oh, did they? Yeah. 
they were just wanting to get out of it or whatever reason. People lie. Fair play for calling them out on the bluff, though, because yeah. that is only based on the fact. It's like, I what person would do that? Like, uh, don't drive off your ambulance. Just go find the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, you're absolutely right. I just want to have yeah. a So, did they come in and were they like sheepish about it, or did you... sometimes when they come in, they feel like they're they're forced to. Um, <laughs> so, it's a difficult one because it's you give them, you deliver the the policy as polite and compassionately as you can, and. Um, some of them are like, oh, you're forcing me to come. So I'm not forcing you to come. I'm just trying to cover my costs. That's yeah. all. Oh, don't have to come, but you will be charged. Not the amount you would spend. It's always less than they would actually spend anyway. Oh, yeah, easily, yeah. Yeah, So, but these come, they were fine. They enjoyed their lunch. Like Sometimes they come in and they've got a proper face on them. And, I bet. You know, that's then when the guys have got to really win them around and wow what man. You know, at the end, look after at them. At the end, you're like, good luck with your scam. I mean that, and I mean that. <laughs> Actually, what you got for us? Any uh, well, stories of the feet you know of the kitchen? I mean, I, I'm not one to really lose it. I can't imagine yeah, that. Yeah, imagine. Probably a couple of times. Yeah? But yeah, uh, definitely less than I count on one hand. Cool. That's good. Um, I like that. But when Paul told me about the things that were coming up, yeah. you know, have a think about this, have a think about that. Boiling point. I was like, oh, I've got just the thing here. Oh, so this is actually pre-boiling point. Right, technically. Yes. Yeah, okay, got you. Young chef, 19 years old, gone to London after only, you know, reading the odd review and countless times over and over cookbooks and uh, Good Food Guide, AA Guide, that kind of thing of a certain restaurant linked to pre-boiling point. <laughs> <laughs> right? You get you get where we're going here. <laughs> um, it wasn't at Hospital Road. Okay. Um so I went as a young chef. I, I you know, uh, I looked up to to this this guy, like incredibly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Right. Who are you talking about? Well, who knows? <laughs> He's got a pretty bad mouth, or has been known for. Um, but um, and I went and I did a couple of weeks and started in January when they came back from the Christmas holiday and started with sixteen. By the end of the week, there was ten left. Wow. It was okay. it was hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proper hard. Military. Anyway. Young chef, you know, absolutely terrified. And, um, you know, I come from a kitchen where it was a husband and wife team in Dorset doing 28 covers to two Michelin star restaurant in London. And the food, I'd never seen anything like this. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Next level. Yeah. And um, just the intensity and the the kind of focus and the, the attention to detail was incredible. Right. So I'm there, I'm working in pastry. Anyway, you, come here. I'm like, <laughs> big boy, hey, big I'm boy. Like, Uh-oh. He's like, right, take your hat off. I'm like, okay. Took my little skull cap off. Yeah. Right, I want you to go next door and I want you to go in, ask to see the chef and I want you to speak to the chef. I'm like, yep. And he's like, right, don't take no for an answer. I'm like, right, yep. Yeah. I want you to ask him if he's had any fresh sardines in today. I'm like, right, okay, yep. But you don't question absolutely anything, right? Right. Okay. So I'm like, right, okay, right. I've got to go next door. Little restaurant. Go out the kitchen, up steps, turn right. And the door just starting to open. I was just telling Tom about this tonight because it's amazing, the story. Right, yeah. And I go in, restaurant manager is straight in my face because I've got whites on, I've got apron on, no skull cap little spotty 19 year old <laughs> hi there um i'm just working next door uh i need to speak to the chef 
oh, I'm sorry, you can't come in. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm working next door. Yeah, we you know, him. next door. <laughs> um, next door that way. <laughs> I've been to, I need to speak to him. I need to ask him if he has any fresh sardines in today. And he's like, no, you can't come in. And he's walking me out the door, you know, shooing me away. And I'm like, listen, you don't <laughs> understand. You do not understand. I have to speak to the chef. Please, can I speak to the chef? It's like, no, just get out, get out. So I go back in, go down the steps. I'm like, oh my God, what? what? That's what I'm, what am I going to say? <coughs> and I go in the door and they're all looking, like laughing like a load of bastards and laughing at me. I'm like, oh, I can't believe oh. it. I've just fallen for the worst. <laughs> oh, no. The worst kitchen gag oh, you can ever God. imagine. But it was really serious because they had a feud going with the restaurant next door. Oh, my And God. I mean, it was a serious feud. Right. It was a kind of court job. And um, Oh, my God. Yeah, the bastards. But you know what? So good. We haven't actually. I, when, when I do get the chance to talk to said uh, main chef person, uh, I will have that conversation because I think it's a brilliant story. You know? Oh, like, I love it! And did he not like? Was he laughing, or was he not to be seen after that? No, I mean to be honest, I had a few of them when yeah, I was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was telling Tom as well, I, you know, a young chef, I was, I was sent up the road to buy three cauliflowers for, I don't know, for whatever. I just went to go and get three cauliflowers yeah. and I came back and when I cut into one cauliflower, it was all kind of black and it wasn't great. But, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking because I was just so overwhelmed by the whole yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. So he's right, you need to take this back and you need to go and get the money back. And I'm like... God. You tell wow. me you're having a laugh. So I'm running. <laughs> Can't find my hand. I go into this little sort of shop and uh, I said, Oh, excuse me, just bought three cauliflowers. This one's no good. Can I have my money back? It's 27p. <laughs> right, this is a crazy thing. I don't, I don't know why I didn't think. I've got, I've got a pound in my pocket. Like, and I'm like, Look, I need the money back. And he's like, oh, sorry, I can't do that. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm working for <laughs> down the road. Wait, big point. Hey, I need this money back. I am going to be dead meat if I do not come back with this 27p. Can I speak to the manager? And this is like a little grocer. Wow. Is there even a manager in there? This bloke comes out and says, look, you don't understand. I need to get this. I need this money back. If I come back without this money, I... Oh, I'm in for it. You had a quid in your pocket the whole time. Well, probably in the locker, but you know, it's just like you don't, you're not thinking. I'm oh, 19. No. I that don't is know so anything. Good. Just terrified. <laughs> Got the money back, and all was good. Oh man, yeah. I can't believe that. They are wonderful stories. I love this madness. Okay, we're gonna finish up with a few cooking hacks and myths to dispel before we head off. End of series two. Paul, you got anything for us? Yeah, right? I was a bit stuck to. I was speaking to. Um, uh, Brett, who's going to be running the cookery school, and we, he told me about one. It's, it's brilliant. Go on, blow so, our minds. <laughs> so, um, stoning cherries at home, right? <laughs> you've got lovely ripe cherries. Get a can of beer, yeah. Whilst after you've drunk it, yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah just place it in the little hole. Just boom, pop your co- a cocktail stick in it. Does as it? You're eating them, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's a cocktail stick straight through. As long as they're ripe. Straight through, it'll go in, so you're not getting any mess anywhere. Oh. Your pip goes in your beer can. Brilliant. Eat your cherry. How many cans did it take to work that out? <laughs> <laughs> I kept missing one. You had a lot of cans. Yeah. That is wonderful. I actually imagine you might have a few tricks. That, well, oh. Surely with the stuff, the stuff going on, you must have like a little oh, hat. Myths. I bet there's loads of myths. I learned loads of myths from watching Heston. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, when I was at college, the old searing meat and sealing meat. Yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, you, we did all these. I remember um, trying to, we were doing some tests on triple cut chips and um, there were 32 different tests. For, for the way chip. you cook them, how far you cook them. Then did you prick them with a cocktail stick? Did you scrape them with a fork? Did you rough them up a bit? Oh did you? God. I mean, you know, and painful. <laughs> it was painful. But, yeah. you know, this is, um, these are all things that happen at the start of service as well. And you, you never want to be that guy yeah, yeah. that is causing this chaos <laughs> yeah. just before service. Sure. But then occasionally things happen for different reasons and you do become that guy. Mm-hmm doing things at that time and you're just like oh, i really didn't want to be this guy yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know it's bad timing whatever's happened during the day yeah. but um god cooking hacks uh or any myths to dispel we had a good uh, like things like people put oil in water when they're cooking pasta to yeah. make sure it doesn't stick together absolute nonsense <laughs> <Waste> oil. <laughs> just, yeah. just laughing <laughs> <laughs> just on top like it's on yeah. top well it's it? like salt in the water you know does yeah, it does keep that it... work no no salty boiling water thing? you want to keep it boiling keep the temperature up yeah, and, um, but salty boiling, but that's for flavour, not for separating it. No, for, for so you you kill the enzyme that that makes the green turn brown. If that makes sense. So the the, the more you keep it at a boil. So next time you're at home, frying pan on the stove, vodka, ten beans at a time. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to be the greenest things you ever see. Yeah, you should yeah. do know? it. I love it. That's a great uh, actually, we've got one more, haven't we? Because I only found this out just before we started recording. Neil, can you? Pop on mic for us a sec. This blew my mind a, a okay. little bit. Can't wait to hear it. So this beautiful bottle of wine we've enjoyed tonight, I suddenly panicked and I went, oh God, we need some champagne flutes. And Neil looked at me like I'd shat on his doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, what? I'd have a bit more subtle than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were thinking it. Yeah. So, so a traditional champagne flute, very tall, very skinny. You've got bubbles coming up from the bottom of the, the glass. Yeah. Um, all you get at the mouth of the glass is just the carbon dioxide escaping from the wine. So if you ever buy a decent bottle of sparkling wine or champagne, put it in a normal white wine glass. Mind blown. You'd never do that. Uh, well, oh no, you should. But you you should, just, people you should, just uh, sort of automatically what, connect the two, don't so, they? So the, the, the kind of space in the bowl at the bottom of the glass allows the CO2 to escape, but also allows the flavours to circulate, uh, the compounds that give the flavour and the aromas, uh, so you get a better tasting glass of wine. I love that. So simple, but so, so easy. But if you've got a cheap bottle, just stick to the champagne flutes. Uh, or... Straw. <laughs> <laughs> but why? I've got a question. Yeah. Why is it you go to other people's houses and you you go, oh, just grab the wine out of the fridge, and you go, yeah, okay, you open the fridge. And there's a bottle of champagne in there with this much champagne in, and there's a teaspoon. Yes, yes, yes. Why yeah, is it, it that people do? This? It's 2019. We can send things to Mars. We can send things to outer space, and people are putting teaspoons <laughs> in the neck of a bottle to stop the fizz from. What? Absolute nonsense. How is that still done? No doing idea. It. No yeah. idea. They'll leave it a week as well. Yeah, yeah what? I don't even know what. There's no logic. They're but they must pour sense. it out, pour it into their glass. They take the teaspoon out, pour it out, get into the glass, and go, oh, yeah, that's worked. <laughs> they must do if they keep it doing it's it. It's impossible. My parents did. If I went to my parents right now, yeah. and they had a bottle in the fridge, you'd have a teaspoon in it. I guarantee. Really? But yeah. To be fair, that says to me that. It's just a crap bottle of fizz. Like, because you should finish it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good yeah. point. It's not even going back in the fridge at but any point. Drink sensibly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much again, Neil. Sorry. That was absolutely awesome. What a great hack to finish on. 
for the end of series two. It's been an absolute blast. It's been emotional. Um, remember, you can order any of these wines we've talked about throughout series two by simply going to guzborn.com and at guzborn on Twitter and at guzborn underscore wine on Instagram. Thanks to Neil for coming and delivering the bottle by hand. Um, and Ashley, thanks so much for coming and doing this show no and being the last guest of series two. Yeah, no, thank you. Series, we're going to do series it. three? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why we'll not? do series three. Yeah. 2020, why not? have a party up here, don't you? I'm going away with a different view of this hard <laughs> journey that Paul's on. Yeah. He's just up here drinking wine. Is it really a cooking school? Well, I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> drinking <laughs> There's only booze in that fridge. Yeah, exactly. Here's to you all for listening and thanks so much for the nightcap, Ashley. Cheers. 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 Thanks again for downloading The Nightcap, and if you love listening as much as we love doing it, spread the word and help others find it by leaving a rating and review on iTunes via your podcast app. And for the price of a cup of coffee a month, support the pod on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the nightcap. We're giving away signed menus from Paul's Michelin Star restaurant on there, as well as that, we're giving you an exclusive opportunity to come and have a meal at Salt before sitting in on a season three recording. That's patreon.com forward slash the nightcap. You can also listen again to all eight episodes of season one via your podcast app. And for more content and videos, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the nightcap underscore pod. Enjoy.